For those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Tanner. I'm the associate pastor here at Verbatim Church, and I get the uh, opportunity to to teach you today while Pastor Terry's taking a, a Sunday off, just getting some rest in. So it's been a busy time around here, so I'm so happy to be able to fill in for Pastor Terry this week. And um, yeah, thank you everybody who's been praying for me this week. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, it's I've come a long way. I just want to open that up by just saying like, I've come so far in, in my walk in this last year to, to be able to get up here and do this. And, and it's come from a place of like, uh, man, I have to get up here on Sunday and do this to, I'm excited to, to do this now. And, and you'll probably be seeing me up here a little bit more and more each month as I just, uh, as I just become more comfortable. So I'm excited. Thank you, everybody, who's who's just uh, showed me a lot of grace and, and prayed for me. So um, my sermon title today is But God. I hope my big graphic came up behind me on the giant TV. It did. Um, sermon today is But God. If you want to, if you're taking notes, write that down. Um, and our scripture we're going to be in today, if you want to open your Bibles, is Ephesians 2, and it's going to be verses 1 through 10. <clears throat> and we're going to be just talking about grace this morning. How many, how many of you need grace this morning? Amen. Amen. We all need grace this morning. I need grace this morning. <laughs> the importance of our scripture can be summed up uh, really in, in, uh, just kind of the meat of our uh, our scripture today, and that's verse 8. And uh, I'm just going to read that verse right away. It just says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And I'll probably say that verse like nine more times today. So uh, get used to it. Make sure you're writing it down. Um, underline it. It's such an important verse that we're just going to, really meditate on today and just make sure that, that we have a clear understanding that, um, that by grace, through faith, God has rescued us from uh, death. So this first part of Ephesians 2 this morning, uh, Paul's really, we're going to see, doing kind of a compare and contrast, uh, kind of a before and after uh, photos, if you will. Um, before and after photos can be uh, ugly sometimes, right? Especially the before photo. Uh, I was, how many of you guys watch that show Hoarders? Yes. It's it's like one of those things, it's like, I don't know, like I, I catch myself watching, I'm not even sure why I'm watching it, but it's so entertaining to just watch. And it's it's one of those shows that just makes us feel better about our own house and and just things going on, but um but in, in the show Hoarders, if you guys have never seen it, they take these filthy, disgusting houses. Just, I don't even know how people like live or do anything in some of these houses. And they take them and clean them up. And then you get to see the before shot and the after shot where um, after a lot of time and effort and uh, I'm sure money and people are involved, the house is, the house is livable again. Um, it's, it, it's made new in a way. Uh, I want to just ask this morning, how many of you in your life, uh, kind of resemble the beginning of an episode of Hoarders? You guys got some junk in your life? Yeah, me too. 
like I said, it takes a it takes thousands of dollars. Sometimes they're bringing in crews of people, the cleanup teams, pest control, all sorts of stuff to get these filthy houses under control. Um, and we're going to see in our scripture today that our lives before Christ looked a lot like uh, those disgusting, nasty houses and hoarders. Um, but unlike the show, there's a there's no amount of money that can fix our problems. There's no amount of people on this earth that can fix our problems. Uh, there's nothing you can do by yourself. No, no do-it-yourself projects that'll fix uh, the problems of just how that looks to us in, in our lives. Um, but the good news is that Jesus came to fix it all for us. Yeah, amen on that? Thank you. Um, and that is, uh, I'll just throw in one disclaimer that Jesus is, did not come here to clean your house. You still have to do that. So, um, sorry. Um, our scripture can really be broken down into three pieces this morning, and it's going to just really compare that, uh, that kind of our past, our present, and it's going to take a look in our future, uh, just for a, a second, kind of in the last verse. <clears throat> And it's that past life of uh, sin and our life and how it's dead with sin. It's going to look at our present life that Jesus came and fixed that for us and brought life. And then just what our future looks like now that we have Jesus and, and, and that Jesus and God gave us a purpose to do something more with that. So, so we're going to dive in this morning. Uh, Man, let's just jump right into it. So if you're a note taker, and I want you to take notes this morning, um, point number one I'm going to make is just that sin brought death. Verse one in our passage today, just says, and you, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of air the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among you or among whom also we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of our mind. And we're by nature, children of wrath, just as others. We're going to stop there. That kind of just sums up our first point that, uh, Paul's just trying to paint this picture. He's just trying to paint this picture of darkness, of just uh, how dead we are in, in, our, in our sins. Um, I want you guys to just remember that as I compared you to a dirty house, Paul doesn't pull punches here. He just says you're dead. Um, but he's right. And he's trying to, he's trying to prove a point here. Um, and in fact, you guys see in your Bibles where the words he made alive in verse one are in italics. If they're they're in italics, and it's uh it's because those words weren't in there to begin with. That's not what Paul wrote. That was added by a translator, um, to help with clarity in in translating. But um, but if you take those words out, uh, he made alive. The verse just reads, "You who were dead in trespasses and sins," and and that's where we are. That's our condition before. Jesus. That's our condition before God hit the scene. <clears throat> and you just break down this text. It says you were dead 
he walked according to the course of this world. So he just kind of wandered around aimlessly. Um, according to the Prince of Power of the Air, which is just a, a funny title for Satan. And the spirit who, worked, who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we're also conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh. So it says you were just living of the world. And we know in our scripture that living of the world is not living of, of Jesus and not living of God. Um, but before God hit the scene, this is, this is where we're at. This is our condition. But I just think of these things, dead, walking around aimlessly, and craving flesh. Does it, I've brought this up before, but like every time, it just makes me think of a zombie. Now, obviously, we're talking about uh, being spiritually dead, whereas like a zombie in a movie is physically dead, but... Um, but those are the same, kind of same characteristics. And, and it, it's, it's kind of creepy, but it's also kind of just a, a picture of just a reality of, of what our condition is. You're spiritually dead zombie before, uh, man, before Jesus hit the scene. <clears throat> the only difference between the spiritually dead zombie and the physically dead one is that uh, one's fake and one's alive real, not alive, because then I wouldn't be a zombie. But um, anyway, my zombie metaphor is falling apart here. But, um, but I think that makes the spiritually dead zombie uh, even that much scarier because it's something that's it's real. We deal with it. It's something we have to deal with. <clears throat> and it's that sin. It's that sin that, that brings that death. It's that sin that separates us from God. Um, that sin of just living for this world, living of this world, living that life that Satan wants you to live because he hates you. Yes, amen. Um, that's what makes us dead inside. And I want you guys to just focus in on this uh, verse three this morning because it's it's... In not anybody in this room, nobody's, uh, nobody's exempt from that. In verse 3, it says, We all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. That's everybody in this room. That's everybody out in this mall, which I'm not sure anybody's in that mall right now. Um, but it's everybody in town, everybody on earth. We all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. And we've all fallen short. And we're all sinners who have missed that perfect mark. The word sin is just a, it's an old archery term that just means you've missed the mark. And, and it's, a, it's a perfect example of, of, of what sin means. It means that you've missed the mark and the only person to ever hit that mark perfectly is Jesus. And some of us might come closer than others, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. If you're not hitting the bullseye, it doesn't matter. You've fallen, you've fallen victim to sin and, and this condition of being dead. And I don't care how awesome you think you are, how much community service you do on a daily basis, how much you're in the word every day. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you haven't missed church since the Vikings last won a Super Bowl. Um, that's, a, that's a football joke because the Vikings have never won a Super Bowl. So 
You're supposed to laugh. Make me feel good about myself. Thank you. Um, but we've all fallen short. We've all fallen victim to this sin. And what does Romans 6.23 tell us? For the wages of sin are death. The wages of sin are death. And, and, and that's, that's where we can just get wrapped up in this first point here is that there's nothing good about sin. It's just that separation. Um, but that's not the whole part of Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That means we have something to look forward to. That means that there's more than just the death of the sin. And just like in Romans 6, 23, our, our scripture today has that moment where we see that funny sounding three-letter word, but. If I say it too many times, my kids are going to come in and start laughing. Um, and that's not a super important word, but it's the words that follow it that change everything. It changes everything that, that happens from here on out. It's a game changer. I looked up the word but in the dictionary. It's just a conjunction, and it's a simple definition. Uh, but it says, used to introduce a phrase, which is exactly what I would think that the word but means. But I love that because often when you see the word but in Scripture, um, it's introducing uh, this game-changing thing into, into Scripture, and that's Jesus. So many times in Scripture you see the word but. And right after it, it's that condition of, of being a uh, failure, uh, being dead. Um, man, so many, so many things where your life's heading in one direction. It's away from God. It's dishonoring to God. And it's leading to a life of, of being just dead inside. And then followed by the word but. And it's just that moment where things just... Stop, and God intervenes, <clears throat> and things radically change. And that's what we're going to see uh, in verse 4. And it brings me to my second point here, which is this, the present that we live in. So if that was our past, this word but here in verse 4 is where kind of our, our present begins. And uh, the second point I want to make here is that Jesus brings life. If sin brings death, then Jesus brings us life. And Verse four starts with that, that moment that just God intervened and says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespass, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. That in the age to come, he might show us exceedingly riches of his grace in his kingdom towards us in Jesus Christ. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And again, we see that, that verse that just changes everything. Just for by grace, you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. 
It's a gift. It's a free gift of God this morning. And, that, and, and man, that's going to just, it's a, it's a grace we don't deserve this morning. <clears throat> Do you see how radically our lives change when Jesus enters the picture? When Jesus enters that equation of just being dead in sins? <clears throat> Verse 4 tells us that, that God loves us. It says, because of his great love with which he loved us, uh, that even when we were dead, he made us alive. So we can see that God loves us. He didn't wait until we were lovable. He stepped in right away. He stepped in and said, I love you now. I don't care what you've done. He loved us even when we were dead. Um, and even when we provide nothing to him in return. In verse 5, we can see that he made us alive when we were dead in sins. <clears throat> and, uh, and man, that's, that's everything. That's everything that he, he did that for us. That he was crucified on a cross and paid that debt so that he could break those chains of sin, that we don't have to be bogged down by our sins, by our sinful natures, by that old condition. Um, and that's where verse six comes in, where he's taken that old condition and moved us to a new condition where it says he's positioned us up in heaven, in heavenly places, it says. Um, and that's that present position that we're in once we have that relationship with God, once we have that relationship with Jesus Christ, <clears throat> where God's just given us a new place. We don't live of this world anymore. We're not, as Christians, we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to consume this world. We're just here visiting. Our, our new home is in heaven and that's where God's got us and that's where God's taking us. And, uh, and in the meantime, we're just supposed to be here uh, not living of the world, but living for heaven and living for God. We're not those who dwell on the earth, but our citizen our citizenship is in heaven. And in verse seven, it just says that God is going to continue to show us that greatness of his grace. Because it's by that grace that Jesus did this. It can only be by that grace that Jesus did this for us, that God did this to us, for us. Um God will never stop dealing with us on the basis of grace. Yes, and that's something to be so grateful for today. That it's not just a grace that happened one time. It's not just, we're not going to experience that. But the Bible says that we're going to experience that for the rest of our days. It will continue to forever unfold its riches through all eternity that we just get to experience that grace, that love of Jesus. And we get into verse eight, and I'm gonna read it again because that's how important it is. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. Underline that again, not of yourselves. Just circle it, get it tattooed on your forehead. 
It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Do I need to read it again? Maybe, I don't know. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We live in such a broken, uh, a broken world. We live in such times where just there's broken people all around us. Um, there's people in this room that just feel so inadequate, um, so unworthy. It, it's it's sad, it's sad, and, and it's 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 that old condition that still is just maybe holding on somewhere, that just is telling you you're just bogged down by the sin of your life. Um, and, and it's Satan going, yeah, you're not worthy of this gift. You're not worthy of this gift that, that God gave you. And that's why this verse is so important because there's people out there that don't believe that. There's people out there that don't believe that, that God just came and did this for us, just free I think it can't, why, it, something that powerful can't be that easy. I Like, this is a gift for somebody who, who's done a lot better than I have. Or, or maybe it's a gift for somebody who, who grew up in church, but I'm just too broken. I've committed too many sins to, to receive that. And I'm, I'm here to tell you today, guys, if you get anything from my message today, that I just, I need you to know that's a lie. That's a lie that Satan's telling. <clears throat> It really is that simple. It really is that simple. The work for our salvation has been paid for you. The moment that Jesus was crucified on that cross, Jesus paid that debt for us. And as long as you believe that and just continue to just move out of this darkness away from those sins that, that God's freed you from to be able to, to move away from them, you know, I'm not, we're, we're going to mess up. You're going to mess up. You're going to screw up. Um, but it's that just repentance of just being able to, uh, to just turn away from it and, and keep asking God and just say, God, I'm going to go to you for help. Keep showing me that grace, God, because it's forever. You say it's forever. It's this eternal grace that, that you keep giving to us over and over again. Every time we screw up, <clears throat> it's all God's doing. It's a free gift. It's offered to us. It's offered to all of us because we're all undeserving sinners, not worthy of this gift. <clears throat> the verse says, but God. It doesn't say, but you. It doesn't say, but I. It says, but God. He's the only one that can come in and intervene and, and just get us to that place. <clears throat> The point number three I want to make here today is uh, just looking at the future and that, um, that God's given you a purpose today. Verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so what are we supposed to do now that Jesus has set us free from that sin and and we're living our new lives as, as as just people for God, just free of this sin? God's given you a purpose to walk down. He's given you a path. Um, and, and maybe it's not clear yet. There might be a calling that, that's going to come to you. Um, but when God lays out this path for you, it's just going to help you grow your relationship with God. It's going to help you just grow. It's going to help you be, um, it's going to help you resist that sin. It's going to help you uh, stay away from that sin and repent and, and go back towards Jesus, when you just listen and, uh, and follow that path. <clears throat> and even though there's nothing you can do to earn that salvation because it's, it was already paid for you, it says that we were created for good works. Not that we have to do good works, but that we were created for good works. And as a Christian made new by grace through faith, uh, I love that we don't have that have-to attitude because there's some religions that do have that have-to attitude, right? You have to do things in order to get into the kingdom or, or get to the next level. There's none of that here. It was all done by Jesus. But we, sh- we, 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 don't, we don't have to do it, but we should have that mentality that we get to do this, to serve the Lord. You don't have to volunteer in church. You don't have to, you don't have to. There's nothing here. If you don't serve, if you don't give, hey, you're still saved. But you should get, or you should want to, to serve God. You should find a place. And I hope that Terry's messages of just, uh, man, finding your place in in the church to just serve and, and just serve to the best of your capacity, uh, are sticking with you. And thank the Lord. We have just such a great church that they're so eager, most of you, to just serve the Lord and get involved in things going on around here. Um, man, I thank God for that. You don't have to give your car to the church rummage sale, but you get to to serve him. You don't have to share the gospel of Jesus with anybody but I sure hope that you want to. I sure hope that you want to do that. Um, so you can be that light to somebody who's in that dark, somebody still bound by those chains of sin because you were there once. You were there once. How many of you rem- remember your uh, BC, before Christ moment? You guys remember? How many of you guys remember your God moment? That moment where God just came in and intervened in your life and just changed everything. <clears throat> we all have different stories. They all look different from one another on, on where we were, on what happened. Um, and, and maybe some of us haven't found that moment in this room. And I pray today that um, that changes. I pray that you come talk to somebody, get to know somebody, hear our stories of uh, just our testimonies on, on how God's just radically changed our lives. Um, 
It's your testimony and it's your past that can remind you of the power of the gospel and your past that can remind other people um, or show people for the first time the power of the gospel. <clears throat> I, I know for me, I, I reflect on this often. I reflect on that moment because it, it, it honestly, it, it rattled me to my core when it happened. Um, man, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Some old lady I've never met named Barb walked up to me. Invited me to uh, uh, to go have pizza and meet an NFL player. That's not an opportunity that a kid from Newport gets very often. And uh, and I was a pretty scary like teenager. I was uh, I mean, for those of you who don't know, I I was homeless for a lot of my uh, like middle school, high school years. Um, and at that moment where. Barb decided to to take a chance on me and walk up to me, just this homeless, depressed, spiritually dead zombie uh, walking around at Newport High School. Just a, I mean, total teenage dirtbag. Um, and that moment that God or that Barb invited me to to come eat pizza and and meet an NFL player, which just two things I love: pizza and football. I was like, that sounds a lot better than like the hotel room we're staying at and, and the ramen we're going to eat off of our hot plate tonight. I'm not saying this to, to make you guys feel bad about me. It's just part of my story. Um, and it's part of, you know, Barb didn't know the condition I was in. Barb had no idea if I had a relationship with God. Barb had no idea that what I was going to go home to. But she invited me. <clears throat> And because I was like, that sounds way better. I didn't have any idea what this was like. I had a relationship with God as a small child, but it had been a long time since I'd even thought about God. And I was in a dark place. <clears throat> but I went. And that day, a guy named uh, Ryan Longwell, the, or uh, Bidwell, sorry, um, shared with me uh, that God wanted, to, God wanted to help me overcome my struggles. God wanted me to overcome uh, this fear and depression in my life. And I sat there and listened to him. And I remember that moment where just God intervened in my life and everything changed. I felt the Holy Spirit move in ways I'd never felt it before. And, and and I just think about those, those two people who just radically changed my life through Jesus, obviously. Um, but he didn't have to come, that, that NFL player didn't have to come to Newport and, and talk to a bunch of high school kids about God that day. He didn't have to do that. He's got money. He wasn't doing it for the money. Uh, Barb didn't have to take a chance on on a guy like me and and go out of her way to to walk up to me. She wasn't just handing out flyers. She walked up to me. She walked out of her way to come over to me, ask me not my name, and just invite me to this. And I just think about like, what happens if if uh, what happens if they didn't do that? What happens if they're just like, well, you know, I'm saved, and we're good here, and I've got Jesus, so 
Good luck, the rest of you. I just, man, who knows when I would have met the Lord? Who knows what would have changed in my life? <clears throat> it's just crazy to think about. It's crazy to think about. And it's, uh, I hope that, that you guys have those moments that you can dwell back on and just say, I want, you know, I want to be that person for somebody else. Who did that in your life? Want to be that person who, who I saw at work, who just was so on fire for, for what they were doing, so passionate about the work they were doing. And then I asked them about something and found out that they were Christian. And that's what got me on the right track. Stories like that all the time. <clears throat> be that for somebody else. Not a, not a have-to mentality, but a get-to mentality. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. In closing today, I just want to remind you guys that, that we're all doomed without that moment that God intervenes and says, but God, in the Bible. Today, if you're beating yourself up, if you feel just worthless, if you feel unworthy of this love and grace that God's given us, um, I, want, I want you guys to know that this gift is for everybody. It's just that, that grace that God showed us. And I hope that that grace that God showed us, and just reflecting back on our verse here, I like that it says, uh, or by grace, you have been saved through faith. Let's make sure we're people today showing grace like God showed us to other people.